Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate, and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and I have with me today Rena Van Als from Strata Central. Hi, Rena. Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. I know we were just talking off air about the crazy week that uh, you were having. I didn't get a chance to tell you I too am having one of those weeks. But let's take a break. Let's step outside of our busy workday for just a moment and share our wins and our challenges. Kick off with the hard stuff. What's been challenging you this week, Rena? Well, this week, Amanda, I received a query from one of our owners in another strata plan that he actually, we manage one scheme for him, but he wants us to manage another one for him. And he said to me that he's got this manager that's got an agreement that is one year, but it automatically renews with 90 days notice. And I said to him, well, part of the query was, when does your current agency agreement expire? And he said to me, I don't really know because it keeps renewing. And I said, well, that can't really be the case. That provision was extinguished in the recent legislation that was enforced back in November 16. So he actually sent me the the agency agreement so that I could have a look at what the term was. And it did say in that term period, it was an SCA agreement that one year and renewing automatically with 90 days notice. So a strata manager with a 12-month rolling agreement. With 90 days notice. Now, I don't know if that just means that it's very hard to tell because it says one year renewing automatically with 90 days notice. So I don't know if it's one year periods that then renew with three month notice periods or it just keeps renewing on a monthly basis with three months notice. It's mm. just really unclear. And I, and I obviously didn't think that was right. And I thought I would just raise it with you today on our podcast to see if you're having any clients come to you with any type of similar queries and, and agency agreements that have this rollover provision. Yeah, I have heard about some agents attempting to have agreements where there is an automatic rollover. I haven't seen the terms of any particular agency agreement that incorporates that rollover. So I'm interested to hear about that term being incorporated into the contract. The place that I start when I'm explaining to clients the maximum terms for strata managing agents, how they're appointed and when they're term expires. I look at section 50 in the Strata Schemes Management Act 2015, which as you've said, Rena, came into effect in November 2016. And that section says that the term of appointment of a strata managing agent expires at the end of 12 months if the strata managing agent is appointed at the first annual general meeting of the owners corporation. So that's for our new buildings. And otherwise, at the end of the period of three years following the appointment. So this is where we get this concept of maximum three-year terms from. It is in Section 50 of our Strata Schemes Management Act. So I'm not sure if there may have been a further clause or some more fine print there in that agency agreement that made clear the maximum three-year term. What I'm wondering, Rena, is whether this agent intended for the agreement to run for a maximum three years and perhaps has not carefully drafted that to make it clear that it is a maximum three years that can, however, be terminated on notice at each anniversary, if you like. Is it that the agent gives notice to terminate or that the owner's corporation gives notice to terminate? Well, it just says those words renewing automatically with 90 days notice. So I think from that I would assume that the notice has to come from the 
Ernest Corporation, but I mean, you know what? You've now given me another thing to think about because it could yeah. mean that they give notice of another term. I don't know. It's like it's very confusing. And, and I think, you know, obviously the Act says that you have to give the Ernest Corporation 90 days notice before the expiry anyway. So basically, normally what we do, we do is we, we give our committees the 90 days notice to say that our agency agreement is expiring on this particular day. And depending on when their AGM is going to be, although we extend it up to the AGM or 90 days, whichever is sooner. So I know that doesn't happen with many strata schemes. So I'm not sure, again, this is quite confusing. And I think also if they wanted to get out, it's probably going to be an issue because, as you said, no matter who gives the notice, the renewal date, I suppose, could be assumed to be the commencement date and then one year after that. But is that, yeah, it's just very confusing. And I just thought perhaps maybe you, you may have come across such wording in mm. your experience. I haven't seen that on the front page of an agency agreement. I have been asked a question about rolling contracts and I have always said that you must appoint your agent for a certain term, a known term that cannot be more than three years. So I'm concerned to hear that there is such a, a confusing contract out there and there may be more floating around. And there's a lesson there, I think, for committees, for owners when they're appointing their manager at their general meeting, which is the place that the appointment of a strata manager needs to happen, to make sure that they've had a look at and read the agency agreement is supposed to be drafted in terms that are easily understood. And especially that front page where it should be very clear when the agreement expires. And if it says something like it's a 12-month agreement continuing on 90 days notice, that there is then a clause further on in the agreement that explains exactly what, what the heck that means, who gives the notice. And what is the maximum term? Thanks, mate. I'll actually ask them to have a look at that and see, is there a term somewhere else in the agreement that may contain some more information about what that really means? Mm. Let us know how you go. Yeah. My challenge for this week is a matter drawn to my attention by a listener, and it relates to a committee member who is actually a bankrupt. And... The person who drew it to my attention, as I understand, is an owner. They're not on the committee, but they're aware that a fellow owner advocated quite aggressively for their committee position and has been elected to the committee and then set about making decisions, putting into action certain things around the community. And things were done that caused this particular listener to look a little bit more closely at the, the personal, let's say, circumstances of this new committee member, uh, did some research and found that this person was a bankrupt and contacted me and said, Amanda, I'm quite shocked that somebody who is a, a bankrupt and has also been a director of companies that have, let's say, run into trouble with ASIC is allowed, entitled, able, eligible to be elected to a strata committee? Shouldn't there be a rule about this? Shouldn't there be some fitness for the role, perhaps? I'm not sure if you've come across this personal investigation of others' background and circumstances when running for election to the committee, Rena. No, I haven't actually. This is the first time I think someone's done. Actually, I've got someone that said to me today that they've done a check on someone who's a proxy bearer for somebody else who's quite a troublemaker in a building. But not actually the personal circumstances of someone being bankrupt as such, no. But I have had um, situations, Amanda, where committee meetings have been held and people who are on the committee have been unfinancial at meetings and have been allowed to vote. That I've come across where mm. if you look at the age balance at the day of the meeting, that person wasn't financial or a number of people weren't financial yet. If you look at the minutes, 
there was no reference to that and they all had full voting rights. And I think in, in the cases of those particular meetings, had they been known to be unfinancial or had that been expressed to those present at the meeting, then perhaps things may not have turned out the way they had in terms of resolutions being passed. But mm. no, that's the first time. But I suppose it's, it's not a crime to be a bankrupt, I suppose, on a committee. Yes, well, that was indeed <laughs> how I how I guided this uh, listener who was making this inquiry. But I was interested to know whether there are owners out there who feel like there should be a minimum standard required of strata committee members, whether like lawyers, other professionals perhaps that have to pass a, a character test or to show that they are a fit and proper person to be accepted into a, a profession for example, uh, should we have that amongst our strata committee members? I'm not sure I have the answer to that. I think it's hard enough to get committee members to volunteer for that position and to give up their time for their community. I think everybody has a, a past and maybe decisions that have been made and unfortunate circumstances that may have befallen them. We may not know the reasons why someone um, has had to declare bankruptcy. It may have nothing to do with them personally or certainly their, their character or their ability to serve their community. So I think there's a, there's a fine line to walk there. Uh, I appreciate the listener who was frustrated with the behaviour that had been going on in the community and, and was able to link that to some, some past corporate difficulties of this committee member. I understand how you may see a situation through a certain lens but I'm not sure that means that we need to impose those standards from a legal perspective on our committee members. My thoughts on the fly. Yeah, well, I think, Amanda, I agree with you in terms of the fact that, you know, when people are volunteering, it's very hard to sort of impose conditions when they're doing it out of in their own time and they're not getting paid. That's number one. I think number two, I think the reason that your listener probably did investigate was because of obviously some character, some issues that were happening and that prompted mm-hmm. her to do an investigation. So perhaps there could be a link between a person's behaviour on the committee and, and, and perhaps their past um, indiscretions or, or as you said, it could be of no fault of their own. We can't always think to separate events without having all the facts. There's always two sides to every story. But I do believe, like, for example, I had this happen yesterday. We had an owner ring, sorry, an agent ring because she's got a tenant and the tenant wants to bring an animal as part of the tenancy. And, and we've emailed the committee and there's five on the committee when he had responses from two members. And so we really can't say that the majority... And we like to work in terms of the majority or in some buildings we, and we only deal with, say, the office bearers who then may confer with the other members or in some cases they don't confer with anyone at all. But anyway, that's a separate issue. But the fact is when people are, and I've said to um, our team members that it's very hard to say to people, you know, when you only emailed them last Friday, like, why haven't you answered the email? Because this agent said, oh, I'm going to lose a tenant if I don't get an answer about the, the animal. But when people, mm. people are volunteers, matter, it's really hard to impose conditions on the membership. You know, obviously you want people to respond as promptly as they can and based on urgency of what the matter is, but you can't say because, you know, you haven't done this or you should have known that, then therefore you're not really fit to be a strata community member. And the other thing also, as we all know, you don't have to be an owner to be a community member. You can just be nominated by an owner who is not standing for election. So That's right. even the fact that you have no financial interest doesn't preclude you from being on a strata committee. So there's another sort of spatter in the works there. So, mm. yeah, interesting Um exercise and I think perhaps as schemes get larger and more complex there may be some criteria that might be imposed in the future in terms of eligibility and people serving. Mm, And I wonder if maybe that's where the line is that there's a big difference between running a twenty or thirty thousand dollar budget in a small building that doesn't have a lot going on and running a multi-million dollar Mm. budget in our more complex 
buildings and having to make uh, or being able, being authorised to make decisions that ha- can have huge financial impact. Exactly. <laughs> Let's just add another layer of complexity <laughs> Why to <not>? this world. <laughs> Interesting to consider. Over to your win for this week, Rena. Yeah, so um, last week I had an AGM, Amanda, and there was an owner that had submitted a motion regarding she wanted to enclose her balcony. And the Strata Committee was quite unhappy with the bylaw and the explanatory motion. And basically they said to me when I'd sent a draft of the agenda, no, we want you to change the actual explanatory note, which is required for motions um, when submitted by owners. And I said to them, but I can't change the um, explanatory note. It's actually her explanatory note. But I'm happy to ask her if she wants me to do that or if she'll take into consideration any of your um, suggestions. And, of course, the owner was adamant that she did not want that because, obviously, there was another side, you know, to her argument as to why she wanted the expansion to remain as it was. And, anyway, so there was a bit of sort of, I would say, misunderstanding by, the, by certain community members that it was really my role to make her accept what they wanted. And mm. I said, no, but that's not my role. I said, my role is to advise you all what the Act says and what each person's rights are. And I said, you have a right at the AGM, as does any other owner, to say you're not satisfied with the bylaw, what's being proposed, the explanatory note. I said, and that's, there's a democratic way of dealing with it in terms of the voting system, which is where you, your voice can be heard. Because the committee has no real authority. It can suggest things to owners who are submitting bylaws, but it can't actually make them change anything. Anyway, so then we had the AGM and obviously there were many owners brought up. It was actually like unanimously voted down. There was not one person apart from the proponent that actually supported the motion. But the other owners brought up some other things that the committee hadn't thought about in terms of why this proposed enclosure wasn't going to be um, suitable for the building. And um, at the end of the day, I said, see, I said, if you just let things take their course and you can see that you've got a better outcome than the committee trying to sort of force its own position, which mm. ended up being the position of all owners anyway. So this is sometimes this is how you come across and what you try and do, but trying to make an owner change an explanatory note because you weren't happy with what it said. I think it's just I think owners have to understand that any owner has a right to put up anything. It's up to the owners at the general meeting to then decide accordingly as to how they want to vote. Mm. And all's well that ends well. But understanding that process of democratic decision making let's say is important and I too see committees forget that and Mm. feel that if there is something happening that they may be anxious about a proposed renovation that they feel is not going to be in the in the best interests of the community trying to take those steps to intervene earlier than they otherwise should in the process. I I definitely see that happen. And good that they had you there reminding them that we need to let this play out. We need to let this play out and have all owners have their say. Exactly. Great win. Thanks, Amanda. Yeah, it was. What I wanted to share this week in Happy News is that I will be running one of my bylaws webinars next Thursday, the 7th of April. I run these webinars from time to time. Many of our listeners would have tuned in previously. Always something new to learn on our bylaws webinars. I share how to harness the power of bylaws to combat bad behavior and restore peace to our apartment communities. This webinar brought to you by Lane Cove and Hunters Hill Councils will be kicking off at midday next Thursday, the 7th of April and running until 1.30pm. That's Eastern Standard Time. 
As always, I'll give you an update on the cases that are running through our tribunal, testing such provisions in our legislation like harsh, unconscionable or oppressive bylaws, how we can deal with residents who dump their rubbish, owners who renovate without approval, nuisances like smoking, noise, and as always, time to answer your questions live on the webinar. So if you'd like to register, it is free to join us, but you do need to be registered to get your unique access link. You can do that over at yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash webinar. Rena, any interesting uh, bylaw news updates? Wins challenges to share that I can add into next week's webinar? Yeah, well, I actually had one this morning where um, there's a bylaw for animals, which is a very basic one. I think it's like you can have animals, but you need consent and the Yonis Corporation can't unreasonably withhold consent. Very basic one. It's one from the, I think, the Act, one of the older ones. And then the owners at the meeting wanted to add a lot more conditions that they had imposed on another owner. And I said, yeah, but this owner had already sort of said, no, you can't impose extra conditions. That's what the bylaw says. And so I said, well, that's correct. You need to actually probably amend your pets bylaws. So I think also perhaps maybe a discussion point, Amanda, could be where there are bylaws and the committee tries to add other conditions that are in excess of what the bylaw is and, and the enforcement thereof of those. So, ah, yes, good one to cover off. Listeners, anyone out there who has a bylaw question, a bylaw uh, experience to share where your bylaws are working, where they're not working, what you'd like to learn more about when it comes to bylaw making, bylaw enforcement, and tapping into the power that I believe and I see bylaws have to improve our communities, feel free to post a comment under this podcast episode. Let me know what you would like to learn or share and uh, always looking to jazz up our webinars with information that is relevant to you, our listeners. Yourstrataproperty.com.au forward slash webinar to register for next Thursday's webinar, the 7th of April. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Rena Van Alst, busy lady. I'll see you next time, Amanda. Have a great week in Strata. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?